0: Hold me tighter. Hello. Welcome to the listening party. We are Men of zero consequence. That is None. our pledge and our guarantee. It is our bond. Um, we meet up on a fortnightly basis, he, Mike, I, Adam, to discuss albums that we have taken it in turns to submit to the other one for approval. This week it's my choice. It's 1985's The Falls album, This Nation's Saving Grace. Uh, I'd liked it for many years. Gotta say, though, little bit of a disclaimer. Um, I do not claim to be an authority on the fall at all. So if you are after that type of thing, you should leave. <laughs> if you would like two men that you've never heard of chatting amiably about a record, then by all means, come in. The water's lovely. Mike, how did you get on with it? Pretty good, yeah. But just, just want to... Reiterate, this will not be a deep dive on the fall because there are other places that do that better. We are merely, we are humble tourists in this land. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're strangers in your land. <laughs> and it's nice here. Uh, well, it, well, it isn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I look forward I, to leaving, post hits I would describe myself as a fall, not a fall fan, but certainly as somebody that likes them. Like, I really like this period fall. I think mm. the this album and the album that precedes it, The Wonderful and Frightening World, are really, really good. But, you know, I know that this album is held to be one of their high points. However... That's what I believe, yes. And that's certainly... But that's a conclusion I came to on my own. And then I found out that the internet agreed with me. Um, right. is always nice. But... I'm going to stress again, if you're wondering, like, whether or not we'll be talking about the location of the mysterious drummer, Carl Burns, probably not. Probably not, to be honest. Don't know. Not following it in that level of detail. Do quite like it, though. So forewarned is forearmed. Make <laughs> your, your own decisions. I'd also just like to um, say right up top, I, it's been difficult listening to this album this, this past couple of weeks for me, because off the back of The Last Party, Adam... I went and listened to a bit more of the Proto Men, not more of the Father of Death, but uh, the cover-up album, which was, uh, I think, if people who weren't at the last party, we were listening to a, a concept rock opera f- kind of band, uh, and they do a whole album of just 80s covers from movies and pop hits at a time, and I've had a lot of fun with the cover-up the last couple of weeks. Um, not going to lie. And I found it at times difficult to draw myself away from that to listen to other things. Yeah. Um, but, you yeah. know, I, yeah. I, I I absolutely gave this nation saving grace for listens, but perhaps but with a cluttered mind, because a lot of times, like, but I want to be listening to the cover-up because it's fun. Oh, man, I've been where you are, yeah. Mm. The number of vaguely synth-driven, drizzly albums that you've wanted to listen to. That have not tied in with what I've been enjoying in my—I'm going to say my private life. Mm. Yeah. Well, this is your public forum. Yeah, of course. you're, yeah, you're yeah. quite a private man. This is right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, this this I do out of a sense of duty. Mm. Um, and we thank but, you for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you yeah, of course. And eventually, I will resign to spend more time with my family, <laughs> who I will thank you to not ask me about. <laughs> Could the idea possible? that the idea that you would ever ask me how the family is <laughs> not 60 you're not you're not a work colleague How's was a family uh-huh uh-huh don't really care uh-huh uh-huh not listening not listening not listening uh-huh. deadlines <laughs> anyway preamble out of the way where where are my pages because are they, I, they're <laughs> because mainly I- submitting pages for your approval because I do run a small theatre, which I my uh... <laughs> Mike works for quite a large business concern that's well known in the UK. <laughs> Nobody is spitting pages to him unless he's also running their wing of Amdrams. Damn it, Johnson. This production of Bugsy Malone must be flawless. <laughs> CEO's coming. CEO's coming to the enough <laughs> Johnson. So first of all, talk to me about the cover. I mean, it's very good. It is a good cover. I mean, because The Fall, much like their actual musical output, very sporadic in terms of the quality of the the album cover. Yeah, uh, I think sometimes that was to do with the fact that Mark E. Smith maybe wanted to really bash out a record so he could get his hands on the advance. Mm. to put in the tills of the working men's clubs of Rochdale. Yeah. Or to pay for more divorces. He was a difficult man. He I was How also was he a was little bit disappointed when I was reading some of the lyrics beforehand. That um, Just just a little tiny bit of anti-Semitism, which I uh, thought, oh, that's a shame. I didn't know that was there, and it's really coloured my liking of the song. Yeah, I, I picked up on that as well. Um, allusions to kind of just England and, you know, all that kind of thing. But I, I is this me being a snowflake? But a couple of the lines I did read as a bit like, ah, could be read as slightly right-leaning. Uh, I think he was unashamedly right-leaning. I don't... I mean, I don't doubt it, considering his private pursuits, which was sitting in pubs with probably like-minded men argue about the world and what they saw in the papers. Yeah, I, I, I remember vividly, um, I mean, this just sums up me as a middle-class prick, but I remember reading um, Bri- a biography on Brian Eno And on the in the same tube journey, finishing off that book and picking up Marky Smith's autobiography, Mm. and the absolute culture shock at him. Oh, it was like going out of a warm bath and being plunged into like a freezing pool. Which he knows it on some faraway beach. Yeah, that one. Yeah, which is a a very just pleasant book about a a guy just likes playing around with shit. Quite a pleasant man. And then you open Mikey Smith's book. It's like right here you couldn't. So like, I felt like I'd been mugged when I was reading. It. Oh good god! Yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's very short, isn't it? His book, but you what? do get the sense that you're being shouted at. Yes, yeah, so it was just it did all feel like he was typed in capitals. Yeah, well, I get the sense that he didn't write it unassisted, and I you imagine that some Bob Cratchit figure was hunched over by a candle scratching away while he bellowed over a can of special brew at him. He clearly had a fairly brilliant and unique mind, but Christ oh, so alive, I, did he not just ruin himself? He did. I, I remember we mentioned this on the other the, the David Bowie uh, catalogue podcast we have, because uh, we were recording when we found out he actually died. So I can't remember what episode it is, but you hear us in real time discover Marky Smith has died. Uh, I just remember at times saying to you, like I saw him interviewed like a year ago, and he just could not make heads nor tails of what the fuck he was saying. He was no. that he was that gone, just and destroyed, and it was just uh, 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 genuinely can't understand what the fuck you're saying, man. It's sad, isn't it? Because you get, I mean, I don't think he would have accepted any help anyway. I think he was. You know, he did he did precisely what he wanted all of the time. But the whole mythology of him mm. was sort of pandered to the alcoholism, didn't it? Oh, yeah, the tortured alcohol gene. The same way Shane McGowan's had the sort of same... same yeah, didn't they? Have, didn't they put... One of the music papers put him, McGowan and Cave in a room together? And just had them in a pub and just had them sort of interview one another. And Mm. I think I vaguely remember reading it. And if memory serves, and forgive me if I'm wrong here, but that all is going well until the point at which Smith turns and just becomes belligerent. Shocking, you put two alcoholics and a heroin addict in a room and one becomes belligerent. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like the opening to an awfully bleak joke. (laughs) <laughs> so when the full reset first sound was at 77 78 uh yes yeah, what is the first one is it live at the witch trials or dragnet y- yeah i think yes yeah, one of those two i want to say because i know i've listened to those both in my they sound like they were recorded in a bucket yeah because they were both my failed well i listened to them part of my failed attempt to start listening to the full discography and yeah well that did petered exactly out very quickly thing. I started with um, uh, 40 Golden Greats, the uh, the best of, which I really, really liked. Mm. And then I made the mistake of jumping back to try and listen to them, you know, from the beginning. Yeah. That, I would say, is a huge fucking blunder. Yeah, <laughs> Because those those albums, they do nothing for me. They're, they're so horribly recorded that it's, it's just sort of noise, scratchy remember- noise. Yeah, I remember kind of liking a couple of songs, but nothing really stuck with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it was definitely whilst I was reading his autobiography as well, I was like, I should probably give the songs a bit more of a listen. Personally my- speaking, I think when sort of, and again, a lot of Fall Purists would disagree with me, but when Brick Smith comes on board and uh, you've got the double drumming bit, which is fairly great, and when you've got Steve Hanley on bass, who is the sound of the Fall, mm. then I think that's when they're, they're they've made their best stuff. After that, Hanley leaves, Smith drinks even more. It all gets, a, for me, a bit messy. Because mm, what I was going to say earlier is, um, so when their first album came out, what, he was only like 22, 23? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's kind of, I mean, they didn't have, like, necessarily success with the first few albums, but to be kind of... It, Get some acclaim at the very least, and then start touring. And you know, I think you, they got um, they got noticed because they, they certainly have something, don't they? Yeah, and they look they, different to everybody else as well. Yeah, and his lyrics were kind of touted as kind of these genius sort of ramblings. I imagine if you're that sort of mindset, and then oh yeah, yeah, gonna kind of hearing that, and by all accounts, because you only have to see the turnaround of the band, and the only. Uh, yeah you know, your point all the way through is Marky e. Smith. So you know a degree of believing your own press there and go, Oh was, yeah, I'm the great Marquis e. Smith. He's definitely good at myth making, wasn't he? Mm. Like treating his musicians as just hired hands yeah. <laughs> in the main. What is it he said? It doesn't matter if it's me and your granny on bongos, it's still the fall. Yeah. Which a good line. Yeah, well, I mean, he was he was full of good lines. He was. I mean and you know, even listening to this album, this shock full of great lines. I mean, he even when he has a great um, ability, he's he's almost like a rapper in that regard, where he just has a great ability for just non sequiturs and yeah, just, yeah. Fr- just phrases. Which like I don't even know how you came up just with that turn of phrase, but I like it. I like the sound of it. It scans nicely. Well, that is, in fairness, I mean, we'll come to Mansion anyway, but. Like the first, what I consider to be the first proper song. Bombast. But mm. all those whose mind entitles themselves and whose main entitle is themselves shall feel the wrath of my bombast is so fucking electrifying oh, as an opener. Yeah, just the wrath of my bombast is just a great line. Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> shall feel the wrath <laughs> of my bombast. a yeah, good, ta- Good tattoo. If you like... If you like that noise that he makes, because I'm not going to call it singing, Mm. then fair enough. You'll probably like everything the fool do, but I can equally see why somebody might listen to the way that he spits these non sequiturs Mm. at people and go, not for me, thank you, ever so much. Absolutely. And prepare for Tom Waits, Bill, because (laughs) because he has that same quality. Yeah, as a yeah. Tom Waits, where his voice isn't, he's not a singist. He, he is, his voice is a part of the overall sound of the song. So, whether or not he's going for just a full blown Ian Dury style ramble rap, or sometimes there's like one song when we get to it, his voice is so low in the mix, he just becomes part of the furniture in the, in the mm. song. And it's almost so you don't, it's not important what he's saying. It's just that tone in the background he's making. And other times, he's like the carnival barker as well and just. Well, because... Screaming stuff out. Sometimes on this record... Uh, well, I, I hear that when you saw The Fall live, sometimes he'd be so out of it that you couldn't tell what he was saying anyway. Much and like so- Tom Waits. And sometimes he would uh, forget his own lyrics and just sort of make stuff I, up. I have no doubt. I mean, a man who put away that much booze and had this many songs. Yeah. if you could remember any of them, that would be well, impressive. I read um, Steve Hanley's book, The Big Midweek, and... Um, and I, I've, read a, I've read a couple of the bits and pieces about The Fall over the years. And most people seem to describe um, being in the studio and then him turning up with just a carrier bag full of cans and scraps of paper and then just handing them out to people going, right, you're going to do that. <laughs> um, I think they're at their best at this bit because Hamley's co-writing a lot of the actual music. Because this music, I think, again, it sounds. Sometimes it sounds like it's on the verge of falling over, but often uh, yeah. it's really locked into a groove. What I loved yes. about the record is the fact that it sounds. On the surface, it sounds really quite odd and abrasive at times, but mm. you could dance to it. Hundred percent, yeah. Like I, the there is such a groove to a lot of it. Yeah, hundred percent. Because. Even though I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what Fall albums I've listened to, I've listened to like early stuff and I've listened to latter-day stuff. This is probably the most in the middle thing, but this is absolutely hands down the most fun I've had with a Fall album. Well, again, I, I, and I, if that's the case, then I would urge you when you get when you grow weary of the Proto Men, mm-hmm. listen to the Wonderful and Frightening World because it's um, similar sort of lineup, but they've mm-hmm. got the double drummers, which is very cool. Yeah. I'm and about it, to album. be honest with you, it was a toss up between this and that album. But this one I have on this handsome reprint. It is um, handsome, my fellow. It is nice. The original was a gatefold, sadly, but uh, and uh this isn't, but it's still a nice thing to have, which is why this one won. And while we're on the topic, I think that The Fall might be one of the greatest ever band names. Mm. It's so good. I mean, it, it is a good name. And I love the fact that it now um, it speaks of a sound. Yes. And even though they've released, you know, a billion albums that all sound a bit different, there is a sort of full noise. It could have so easily be a forgettable name because I always tend to think any band with "the" as a beginning. Yeah. The the Beatles aside, you know. But again, the Rolling Stones. Again, I suppose 1977 or something. They get together. There were fewer of those. You yeah. and I uh, survived the indie wars of the, oh, God, of the yes. noughties where there oh. were a thousand bands that basically put the definite article, choose a noun, oh. you got yourself a band. So this particular album was their eighth album as You've Marky it. Smith and the Fall. Sorry, we should probably say that what we are currently doing is Context. Context. <laughs> So it was released on the 23rd of September 1985. And it is, as we've alluded to already, wildly considered one of the band's best albums. And you can see why, because it sounds like it was recorded by a producer. It sounds like. Someone... Even though it's still got a ram, uh, charming ramshackle quality to it, it, it was definitely had a professional at the helm. And that man was yeah. John Leckie, I believe. Yes, and uh, I do. You can clearly tell this one has someone who's. Desperately try to, to not rein in, but focus that Marky Smith energy. Yeah, yeah, and somebody who maybe stayed sober for some of the recording. Yeah, you there, you shall be the designated musician at this session and actually try to, you know, let's put something down that sounds... And occasionally say to him, Mark, we are going to have to have another take. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That that absolutely wasn't good enough. (laughs) Uh, Well, I don't think necessarily this album bears out the need to plough through track by track. So what I was more interested in is, I thought that if there was one song on this that I thought that you would dig, mm. it was I Am Damo Suzuki. Oh, I thought you would like that. Though, I want to shock you and surprise you with something. Mm. I absolutely did like it, it's very much so. <laughs> yeah, I thought of all the songs on this album, I reckon this is strongly in your vibe. Yeah, I mean, although as I was driving home today, I did think he's doing a sort of Japanese accent, isn't he? I mean, he's no, no, I'm to... sorry, not an accent. Um, uh, I don't even know how to express it. I mean, like, he, he is the, saying the, his name the, with a slight I am Damo, Damo Suzuki, yeah, but he also says, uh, <laughs> um, however, yeah. you get the sense as well that that's as close as he ever came to a compliment, uh, because, yeah. He famously really liked Can. Yes, so Damo Sakuki is the lead singer of, well, was the lead singer of Can from the late 60s through the 70s. I think what you'd call the classic lineup of Can. Yeah, yeah. And I I, went, because I listened to it the first time through, and then I like, I like this song, I like it. And then I read it, and I was like, oh, all all right, and then you go through the lyrics, and the fact that, He's not just name checking him. This, this, the whole song is essentially a biography of his time in the band. Yeah. And, it, you know, mentioning things like soundtracks, soundtracks, and soundtracks is now by Can. You know, and um, when he says, like, may we go back to pre virgin days, obviously Can was signed to Virgin. And i really like, who is Mr. Karl Heinz Stockhausen? <laughs> yeah, and there's all these references to, like, where the band actually was formed and. Oh, where is it? Yeah, mentioned a uh, generous valeric Jehovah's Witness uh Damo Suzuki was a Jehovah's Witness at some point. So it's it's a bizarre biography of the lead singer of CAN. And it's Smith from the Fall has written the hand that cradles the rock makes egg gooey? Is that a reference to Egg Bam Yassi? You know the famous CAN oh. album. Yeah, it's probably the case that Egg Bam Yasi wasn't even one of the dumbest Suzuki albums. I don't know. It was just a theory. Mm. Listener was in cahoots with Fritz Lieber. Fritz it's Lieber sort of, was an American writer, poet, actor, playwright, and chess expert. What I like about it is that it's it, it again it locks into a groove quite early doors. Yeah, so it, which is very much like Can, frankly. Yeah, no, the, the song itself, it to me it doesn't conjure any Can songs I particularly know. But again, Can is one of those bands where I've listened to a handful of albums, haven't done the deep dive. But whereas the overall, I would say groove and melody isn't something I really associate with Can, it has that. No, but it's cla- the, yeah, what do they call it, the motoric noise. Yeah, that's what I was going for. Yeah, it has that classic, just that constant tempo, that. Yeah, that's yeah, that constant. It stays at level. And the main thing that really peaks and troughs through it is Marquis e. Smith's delivery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, was a, I was a big fan of I Am Damo Suzuki. And I actually you know saying that, though, about um, the drums. I mean, the drums are fucking electric on the song. Yeah, not yeah. not not literally. But um, it feels like at times, once the drums kick in, because I think it starts off, it's just Smith and the guitar, then the drums kick in. It feels almost after 30 seconds, they start speeding up a bit. So the drums and the guitar are almost out of time with each other. Yeah, well, that, that's... Um... I would say that's one of the calling cards of the record, really. Mm. That it basically the lead instrument is the bass, and then it's yeah. the drums, and the guitar is is almost like the like the singing. Yeah. it's a it's a separate entity entirely. If you, if, well, certainly this period, fall, in my opinion, if you're listening to the bass and the drums, you're getting the song, mm. and everything else is like crenellations above that. Mm. I am, Damos, Suzuki. I thought was definitely going to be something that you would really, really fucking dig. <laughs> yeah, it was, and it was definitely one of those songs, the more I've listened to it the last few weeks, I've definitely gone into the vibe of it a bit more each time. Nice, big, big favourite now on this. Yeah, again, I just I just love the, the weirdness of it, just like to sign to a song about the, the guy from Cannes. Yeah. The lead singer of Cam. Because why not? M- more more artists shouldn't be afraid to just do songs about artists. Well, like. I'll tell you what. And, and also, you've got to say this for Marky e. Smith. He will write a song about absolutely anything. Oh, yeah. More power to him if he wants to. Yeah, yeah. Beats another do you think song. It's, it absolutely does. Do you think it's like the the Bowie thing as well? Where they, you know, I like to um, name drop all over my sleeves just so yeah. everybody knows <laughs> how much reading I've been doing. I mean, if yeah. you... First, if you name your band after a Camus book, there is there's definitely an element of that in you. There's no shame in it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the, the whole reason we're doing this podcast is to show to people: don't we listen to lots of stuff? Everyone. I mean, you do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got my three decades, and I'll stick to them. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I feel like at this point, Sean must mentioned that NME ranked this album as the number six best album of 1985. I mean, it was a good year, uh, but it's a it, good year. I mean, you could, I mean, first of all, it's the enemy. So obviously they are more likely to include the fall it's, than the wheelhouse. Podcasts. Yeah. Um, but it is an extraordinary thing to consider that the fall made it onto a list. Oh yeah, um, pitchfork give this 10 out of 10,
1: uh, which I think
0: is possibly a bit strong. Yeah, but I wouldn't say it's a flawless album. It's uh, not at all, but it, it's a good one. Yeah, and it gets five stars from the Guardian, Mojo, and the Encyclopedia of Popular Music. Well, of course, all of those people are going to like of, The fall aren't they? Of course, the Encyclopedia <laughs> of Popular Music. Well, it's God. also in the. It's in a thousand and one albums to listen to before you die, as well. I think every album is. Though, to be fair, no, just a thousand and one of them. Sorry, really? th- uh, this one plus a thousand more. I heard that was just rumour and speculation. No, um, rumours is on there, uh, but speculation isn't. Sons of bitches. <laughs> Dave Simpson of The Guardian wrote that the album showcase of four thrillingly as subverting the notion of what pop music is. Yeah, but yeah, the... song about Damo Suzuki on there. And, of course, a song that's written in, or certainly the title is written in NADSAT. Mm. Such fun. Yeah. So on this lineup, we've got uh, Dear Marky Smith on vocals, violin, guitar and harmonica. Could he actually oh,
1: play would, any of those?
0: I was going to say, I would go as far as to say, that man can't play violin. Yeah. I mean, he may be playing a violin, but can he play the violin? Well, at what point are you playing the violin?
1: Or is it playing point, you? At what
0: point are you simply making noise on a violin? Because I can do that. That's what I mean. It's just like, yeah, I, I mean... With my musical stuff, I just do it. Does it actually sound like music? Isn't that a question? That was deeply philosophical. Truly <coughs> Bums. Just want to bring it back down. Good. And you got Steve Hanley on bass and backing vocals. Craig uh, Scanian? Scanian? Scanlon, I think. Uh, guitar, backing, vocals, Brick Smith on guitar and vocals, Sim Rogers on keys, guitar, bass, drum machine, and backing vocals, and Carl Burns on drums and backing vocals. That's a lineup of the fall in this, guys. So, did this particular lineup ever do any other album again? Complete, do you reckon? Uh, I genuinely don't know what came next. I would suggest that if they did, it's only one or two because that it wasn't a lineup that. Uh, Steve was in the band for like 15 years or something. Mm. But he'd, he hit, when he recorded this, if, if I'm correct, he'd just returned from paternity leave. He had, yes. and Craig had been on bass and then moved over onto guitar while so allowing Steve to take up his rightful place as a four string on the right. four string. But um, they were, well, they were for years, it was sort of Mark E. Smith, Steve Hamlin. And whoever Mark was married to at the time, slash sleeping with. Right. So there's there's all there's been a lot of women in the fall, and they do almost exclusively end up in a relationship with Marquis e. Smith. That Casanova of a man. Yeah, you can imagine that being in a relationship with him c- cannot be fun. Yeah, imagine how rewarding that would be. Brick Smith is um some people really decry her in the pool, in the fall. Should they say she makes mm-hmm. them too too poppy, um, uh-huh. which I think is madness because this is not a straightforward pop album. No, and I don't think that the accessibility that maybe she is bringing to them is necessarily a bad thing. I don't know at all, and I think uh, I mean complete, and beg my pardon on this because I just I don't know the album that well, but the, the songs where she's singing on it. I really enjoy those and there's a, there's one in particular, uh, we'll come back to it, that to me had a real Lee Hazelwood, Nancy Sinatra vibe to it, which I completely fucking dug. Oh, which one? Oh, where did I write that down? Because I was pleased with that observation at the time. <laughs> mm, uh, well, I can see why you would. Um, Oh, it's on Vixen, which isn't even on a bloody album. It's a bonus track. I realised afterwards. So I was just like, ah, damn yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I was wondering whether or not it was Vixen. It is very difficult to nail down what al- what version of the album you're listening right, to. Right, actually, we should probably at this point we should probably clear up. There is a, um, say I I have Apple Music because I'm a scumbag instead of Spotify, and on that there's like a 16 track album. Yeah, I have get Amazon Music, and the smallest version I could get was 13. And the version right. we are talking about is merely eleven, isn't it? The class, the actual album, as it was released in nineteen eighty-five, was eleven tracks. And the song I decided that to me sounded a bit Lee Hazelwood, Nancy Sinatra is Vixen. May I say is a delightful way of letting everybody know that you're aware of Lee Hazelwood. Super. Hey everyone, I've listened to some stuff. Um, Mark E. Smith would be thrilled. <laughs> And and I also had some uh, sounded a bit like Noi as well, uh, but Vixen is not actually on the album as it released in 1985. Therefore, it is banished from this yes. discussion. Strike it from the record. So forget everything I just said, everyone. It does not matter. Ne- I never said it. Just put it out of your minds. Just Lee Hazelwood, Nancy Sinatra, Noi, yeah. Cassetto. Hey. Um some velvet morning though is is basically flawless isn't it as a song oh yes i mean it's it's lovely and creepy all at once most fair stuff is (laughs) yeah 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 i mean mostly born out of their chemistry who is this creepy sounding old man with this (laughs) with this ingenue (laughs) (laughs) i find you (laughs) uncommon He's got such a such purity and such a sort of nursery rhyme quality to her voice, and he he is a big round mustachioed man. He is. They've got some great summer wine. That's a good song. And um, let me tell you about Phaedra. How's it gave me life? Oh, what's the other one? There's a one song about um, he plays a coal miner. Um, He's digging in a in a mountain for some father woke the man's father the man's <laughs> and then the mountain collapses upon him. And then Still Nancy the day took his life, do the day took <laughs> life, and then Nancy Sinatra. Oh, I got it. Nancy Sinatra then learns how to bend steel and make <laughs> it move. Ah, <I> bend steel. <laughs> uh, yeah, because then she's playing his daughter in the song, and then she his daughter Emily to, to Emily to, to dig him out of the mountain. Uh, it's quite a haunting song. But it's just kind of odd how they could play around their relationship, so sometimes they were lovers and other times father, daughter? Hmm, I'm old enough to be a grandfather. (laughs) I mean, if you were the Sinatra family, you would be going, who is this, who is this Lee? Who is Lee? By all accounts, uh, old blue eyes did used to say, whoa, 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 Pally, Bubby. um, (laughs) Who is this Mustachio gentleman hanging out with my daughter? The ingenue Nancy Sinatra. Who is the guy that is dressed like um oh god who is that Andy Kaufman character? Oh uh Tony t- Farino? T- uh, no, not no, no, Farino. It's oh, Tony though, isn't it? Yeah it is. Oh fuck, what is his name? I don't know, but he looks an awful lot like Lee Hazelwood. <laughs> That's just pissing me off now. What the hell is that character called? Tony Clifton. Tony. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, it's Tony Farino. That was a that's a Steve Coogan character, isn't it? Yeah, he was yeah, like yeah, a yeah. Spanishy guy. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Although think about it in retrospect, Lee Hazel would have probably less of a lech than anyone Frank Sinatra knew in his personal circle of friends. Yeah. I'm, I'm including scared. I'm including John Kennedy in that. I'm just gonna distance myself publicly from your comments. <laughs> I don't think the mob listened to this. Or the estate of Dean Martin. <laughs> or the, the Kennedys. <laughs> i many yeah. any of them left. Uh, are the Kennedys secret pedophiles, or are they the ones that are fighting the pedophiles? so difficult to keep up. <laughs> I've not seen QAnon newsletter this week. <laughs> I've not had my facts through. I haven't read the newsletter this week. I'm still working on the <laughs> the, the word search from last time. <laughs> Big shooty thing with... Oh, bu- oh gun. I was <laughs> trying to remember the word Sudoku. and my, <laughs> All my brain would submit was Subutio. <laughs> which, which doesn't work via newsletter, even if you're QAnon. M- I can see a QAnon, <laughs> you yeah, know, muddling that up. <laughs> Five letters, paedophile. Nonce! Oh, Q, you've done it again. <laughs> Sounds like a Weatherspoon's puzzle. <laughs> um, I've just realised there's no one left in the country to work my shitty pubs. Well, fucking done, you massive cunt. Yeah, you know. I mean, I'm I'm not distancing myself from those uh, those comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe in. we're sticking to the pledge. I believe never visiting a Weatherspoon's because Christ alive! As soon as you start earning a salary, why would you? Why would you? <laughs> we could a- we can afford. A night of five pound pints now and then. Yeah, provided you're not doing it on the regular. um, Yeah, exactly. Not on the regular, but yeah. Then go somewhere nice. Yeah. Why not? Why the bloody hell not live a little? And I've been given the all clear by Lisa to, um, why don't you you spend a bit of money and get that Johnny Cash vinyl box set for a few hundred quid with your bonus? Oh, thank you, may I? Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I've been given the go ahead. It's purely because she wants something as well. And she thinks if she allows me to spend my money on something I want, it's a bit you get a little. Of you get a little. Exactly. <laughs> what does <laughs> she want? I don't know. She hasn't. She hasn't shown her hand yet. <laughs> In the ongoing poker game that is a relationship. <laughs> it was funny. Yes, I was just like, she was keenly aware it was bonus letter day. And just a few times, throughout the day, are you all right for coffee? Can I get you any? Are you thirsty? Can I get you anything? I don't usually come in and asking you now. What's your game? What's your... Uh, What's your agenda, Pally? Uh, is like you're so bloody transparent, my love. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like you, you will be taken care of. Okay? I grant speak. you this boon. Yeah, don't worry. Can we talk about my favourite song? Must I we? Mean, cards on the table. I mean, I said it last week, so it's not a surprise. But I think Gut of the Quantifier is just one of the most exciting songs ever committed to vinyl. I fucking love it. What were your thoughts? My first comment on this one is not one I expect to put with the fall, but it makes me think of late, no, sorry, early 80s New York disco in a sort of Arthur Russell style, just those kind of trotting drums and that just repeated bass line. It's got its fun to it. It's, it's a, got real drive to it. It's got real drive to it. What I like about it, though, is the fact that that drive builds. Yeah. So by the end of the song, it's rocketing along. And yeah. The, I love any song that's got the nerve to sort of halfway through just go hook, 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 hup. hup, hup, hup. <laughs> yeah, and, and the breakdown when it comes, it almost sounds like he's about to go into um, twisting. Dun, 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 twisting! Shake it, shake it, shake it, baby. NYC, a place to live. Yeah, I like it his delivery on it, is he's in full-blown madman just just spewing out terms and phrases here. Well like, he does that um, that very high-pitched sort of out <laughs> Yeah. Stick it in the gut, I think he's squealing. Yeah, stick it in the butt. gut! Stick it in the mud! Yeah, and... Uh, weird phrase like cheap fog, half wit philanthropist, cozy charity gig. Yeah. Yeah, I love the energy of it. It's just it's just yeah. real it's just a real manic song that I, can I think the groom. the the, uh, the verse that just says they take from the medium poor to give to the needy poor via the government poor. Give it to the poor poor. They're <laughs> knocking on my door. Entrance entrance Ah, <laughs> oh, poor poor. The way he spits the last like sort of consonant of words. Mm. It's so great, like yeah. bombasta. <laughs> like you just mentioned as well, just the way he can play with his voice and just go to absolute screeching pierce. just- That's because I don't, he can't actually sing. No, He's he just... doesn't, he doesn't sing, he just delivers. But it's, a, it's such a, a maniacal performance because you don't know where his voice is going to go oh. at any one time. And his voice is like an act of violence, the way he'll just at times just screech something and like I say it's even sometimes it goes up during a word like so you go from one syllable to the next yeah and suddenly just goes from boop to ah! and just stabs you in the face it was like he just got bored as he was reading his own words yeah he's just entertaining himself just going ah, uh, ah, eh, uh, ah, and then but that you've just the irresistible nature of that the bass drum and guitar mm. locked together just starting to and then there's a little breakdown and then where it's and then it just picks up again, and they just accelerate. Yeah. Which is, again, it just brings it back to that vibe of can and um, you know, German electronica. I'm not going to say krautrock. I don't think I don't like the term. We, I believe we've discussed the term krautrock to our satisfaction. We have. We, we have thoughts on everyone, um, but um, yeah, it, again, it just the music has that quality to it. That just constant. Hup, 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 hup. And and it's his voice that's creating <laughs> the mania around it and everything. Yeah. Stick it in the god. So yeah, actually thinking about because thinking about certain Can songs, um, like the Thief, which is a great song. My mercy be the thief. See um, all of the Can songs that I'm familiar with, and I know that Can have got another another one of those bands with a very intimidating back catalogue. But you've. I don't I don't know of a single Can song that is as. Breakneck as this in terms of pace. No, I was going to say pace, but maybe more in the vocals. Can like, rock like this. No, they don't. But I'm just thinking then, like Damo Suzuki's like vocals, and again with something like Mushroom Head, mm. um, which is again that do, do 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 and then but his voice in it goes like, and I saw Mushroom Head, and by the end of it, he's like, ah, la, la. and just just going everywhere, it's going everywhere, man. But apart from him. Mm. You get the sense that very few members of Can are working up a sweat. Mm. Whereas, if the drummer at the end of this didn't, you know, need to take five, yeah. I'd be astonished. Particularly, as presumably, arguments. he smokes a lot. <laughs> Ooh. I mean, the fug of Rothmans is heavy on this record. <laughs> <laughs> If you want another record where... Another song on this one where his voice is all over the show, it's Spoilt Victorian Child. (laughs) I, I cannot... I cannot unhear it as small Victorian child, which I thought you were saying at first. Small Victorian child! Why are we looking at the small Victorian child? Look how small she is! <laughs> Look how small she is! Yeah, I can't unhear small Victorian child now. Sitting up the table. Small Victorian child! I mean, it's an infectious little groove, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it, though? <laughs> yeah yeah it's one of the songs that i kind of i'm not a huge fan because it is that so simple lineup it's a cheesy riff to a degree but damn it it's hard to get out of your head once you've heard it it's well, definitely I think an earworm it, it's more of an earworm than any of the others it's the one yeah. from the album that you are most likely to be sort of singing to yourself yes you know, stood at the photocopier of your employer. Spoiled yeah. Victorian child. Spoiled Victorian yeah, I'm, child. I'm not gonna be stood at the printer go, I am Damo Suzuki. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll well, be no, saying your place of work. Somebody will walk past you and go, All right, Damo. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Mr. Suzuki. down, 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 down. It's it's a fun riff though. Oh it is. And I like the towards the end where he just starts then saying, The child was sport, Victorian! It's almost like he's forgotten what the, the name of the song is. In his own words, he's at this point he's just collapsing around the studio just stay trying to vaguely remember what the lines are supposed to be. And he's like have oh, you heard um, have you heard their cover of Victoria by the Kinks? No. Oh, it's um uh, I it, it reminds me of Sport Victorian Child, possibly because of the word Victoria in it. Who knows? But, we should <laughs> never know. It's a very, very good cover. They did they gave good cover the fall because they mm. always sound like the fall. So Vic, they did Victoria and they do um there's a ghost in my house. And their, their cover of that is fucking brilliant. There's a fucking spooky you in my house. There's a ghost in my house. <laughs> <laughs> James Hetfield. He writes such odd lyrics. Because they are, they, they remind me of the, you know, the Bowie thing. The, what was the name of the writer? The William Burroughs technique. That's it. The cut, the cut up, up technique. technique. Yeah. yeah. You—it's very easy to imagine that he was just—it's just fragments of words that he's just snatching out of the air. He, what I find fascinating about him as a lyricist is that he doesn't paint a full picture. No. he's just allowing you snapshots into whatever it is that he's imagining. But even with a song like this, it's—he's still creating an environment around the song because you mentioned things like past the trees where the fairies are playing. Which you know, in Victorian times there was that kind of period where they had Houdini yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, they photographing fairies and the all the Conan that. Doyle thing. Yeah. And you know, so he's he's referring to things to actually conjure up this world around it. But yeah, what he's then saying as the yeah, song yeah. goes on becomes meaningless. But well, what I he, find is he, extraordinary. He, like there are bits of it that are incredibly evocative. Yeah, he's almost And then like, there's a, there's all of that encyclopedia stuff yeah. in the middle. Which I don't claim to understand. No, I don't. I mean, sounds good, though. Yeah, it's almost like the first couple of verses, he's he's, he's world building. And then by the, the third verse or just the, the chorus, he's kind of just gone bored of his own song and he just starts shouting words again. The chorus yeah. more Victorian. I don't, again, I don't know what the line means, but I love it. I think through the aqueduct of five years is a good line. That is a good line. Again, well, which I presume is the about the they aqueduct of five years. Apart, yeah. Is that is that to do with someone's five year plan, or of of some prime the prime minister's reign? I mean, for the benefit of the listener, Mike is making a puzzled, helpless face. <laughs> he, Help may sound, he may sound like he's made an an opposite suggestion, but fuck knows if he has. I don't know. What did well? I tell you what. Let's let's jump back to the opener now. The mansion. creepy mansion. I mean, it's just called mansion, but yeah. I think it's it's a very sort of slow, evocative. atmospheric, evocative opening. Yeah, big fan of mansion. So, and down, it, down, down, down. So mansion's just, just um, an instrumental piece, and it does exactly what. An and intro it's got piece the spooky sort of xylophone bit. Yes, I had that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a really sets a kind of a, a menacing atmosphere that almost doesn't do No, the album no, not justice. at all. You, you've got Mansion and then it's immediately followed up by a Bombast which yeah, which it, delivers on the title's promise. Usually what a first track like this when it's only like a minute or so long, it's usually supposed to be the setting of the table song, isn't it? It's supposed to get you in the the the, yeah, the space of the album. Yeah. And Mansion doesn't do that at all. It's very much No, not remotely. It has no interest in doing that for you. <laughs> No, it's, it's almost just like they thought, oh, that's a cool little riff to get the album started, with, let's just put it out on there. Yeah, I like I could, you. I like your xylophone. Oh, that's that's nice. You would bring that in, fella. Because then what it does is it bookends the album then with 2NK Roachman's Yabbles because it's the same tune. Yeah. So the, the album is bookended by Mansion and uh, 2NK Roachman. And... So yeah, it well, it's which I assume strange. is supposed to be encroachment. Yeah, yeah, and I you know, in on the outro side of things, just the, the refrain they keep repeat, repeat repeating, repeating is every day you have to die some, every day you have to cry some. It's, and then there's like a um, great dramatic breakdown of everything. It's almost like all the instruments have just fallen to pieces at the end. I'm sure you can almost hear a stylophone in there. I don't remember that being listed, but it sounds like there is one in there. Yeah, it does. But um yeah, I mean, yeah those two songs don't really sound anything else on the album, but I think they're great intro-outro pieces. They are, but what I really like the sort of the jarring quality of Mansion ending and then to all those entitled. Entitled that bit. themselves. And whose main and title it is themselves shall fill the wrath of my bombast. The way the bass slides in seductively, but it's such a fat muscular sound. That's when you think, right away, we're off to the races. We've the atmosphere's done, and now we're going to now we're gonna rock for a minute. And again, this really just screams late 1970s late 1970s um New York vibe. Like Studio 54 in a weird way to me. I mean, it's Studio 54 when everybody's having a bad time. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just I'm I don't hear like Manchester and Rochdale in this. I hear I'm hearing nightlife New York. And I don't know if they were going for that more polished sound and trying to make it sound that like more disco tech. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm gonna invoke him again but that's i hear suicide at times on this album as well i definitely hear some alan vega in his delivery at times as well not in bombast necessarily but there's other songs where he's definitely got that sort of growl to him yeah not in bombast no but and i am also aware that i've mentioned alan vega a lot in this podcast probably more than (laughs) alan vega's probably been given anything is it possible and we haven't actually listened to a suicide album is it possible you've just been listening to quite a lot of alan vega you know, potentially that uh, the same way I'll be mentioning that. you know this reminds me of the proto men uh, <laughs> in the next few weeks do you, know, do you know this reminds me of the most recent thing I heard <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to this a lot so I go to shoehorn it and everything else I listen to discuss yeah but I do a bit. but also for me Alan Vega is almost the emblem of that underbelly of New York vibe and Mm. I I definitely hear that sound that it's not quite no wave but it's definitely just a a misanthropic edge to funk in this which is sort of what people like Alan Vega and Suicide brought to the table well there is there is definitely a funky element to this Mm. Although there are stories about him um, criticizing or having a go at his musicians for like if they move around, I think it was uh, Mark Riley was Mark Riley. Mark Riley, who had a, who had a Bowie podcast. He once he sort was of I think he walked to, he walked to the end of the uh, stage while he was playing his guitar, and then afterwards, Marky e. Smith said something to her like, "Who the fuck do you think you are, Jimmy fucking Page? Stand still." <laughs> <laughs> Which I both uh, like, whilst also not agreeing with. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bombast, yes to the title, yes to the bass, yes to that uh, incessant piano in the background. Yeah. points so, out, ding, 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 ding. Yeah, just, I always just love someone banging away on the piano. St- I think it's just yes to the song. I think mm. Bombast, I think, is one of the highlights of the record. It's, yeah. It's, it's Well, the, When this record really hits its stride. It is irresistible. Mm. And it it does that, Bombast particularly does that trick of what I think a lot of, particularly indie and electro bands of the 90s tend to do a lot of, which was just get an absolute crescendo where nothing else in the world can actually get in this song. Yeah. So I'm thinking, yeah, I mentioned like Death in Vegas, the song that they had uh, that was in Lost in Translation. Uh, where it just absolutely builds to such a high peak where it then just cuts dead. And I think Bombast does the same, where it just, it starts off with his voice and then just builds and everyone is just playing every single instrument in the room. And there's yeah, like, yeah. there's no more room to get through that door frame and squeeze out. And then the song just stops. Well, there's like a little, um, there's like a, a very short solo bit as well in Bombast, isn't there? Just a the little mm. tiny breakdown. And then it's, you know, Straight away, we're back in the room. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, Bombast is a really strong song. Strong song. Well then, Powerful song. I think we're of an accord. Mm-hmm. Barmy. I think Barmy has a really sort of sunny, optimistic it's absolutely tone sunny. to it. It's, it could almost worked as, you know, the summer of '95, where you had Dodgy staying out for the summer and yeah. Supergrass on their bikes. It's all right. Barmy I've got fit, everything I need. Barney kind of fits in that crowd of songs, really. It, it, it's just a happy summer song. Yeah, it does. It is a uh, shame. Uh, hey. Shame about the Jew thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's a. Yeah. For the benefit of the listeners, that certainly if you've just listened to it, like me, and you haven't actually read the lyrics, and there's no reason why you would... And you go, hang for, on? Yeah, because it, it, it took me by surprise, and I found it very disappointing. Friends disintegrate within circles of cash, registered you after years of fab genius, is pension for the Jews, a medal from the company which I wiped my backside on and hung from a laburnum tree. I'm wondering whether or not fab is a... Well, I mean, I think I only really hear the word fab used in conjunction with the Beatles now. And he appears to be talking about people making money off music, was my reading of the record. Sounds like it, which unfortunately which would, is a... Uh, would um, then tie in with Brian Epstein as well, is not it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just a bit anti-Semitic, isn't it? No, it completely is, because it ties into the... Um, the old stereotype of... Well, the old. But the, the, the the classic anti-Semitism, which is that all the money is owned by Jews. The finger thing means money. Hmm. Yeah. Um, which, to be honest with you, I, I found a bit of a letdown. And I'm sure some people letdown. will believe that he's joking or whatever, but he was a cantankerous sod. <laughs> yeah. I, and I get the, I always got the impression listening to interviews with him that... Um, He was somehow convinced that um, his outsider status was as a result of some great conspiracy and not his lack of professionalism and the fact (laughs) that he made really odd records. (laughs) Made esoteric music um, and he was a belligerent drunk in most of his interviews and dealings with with media. One of the interesting things about them is that people, like Fall fans, tend to approach them like football fans do. You know, like... Mm. If I went to see a band, I would sort of expect a degree of you know, you're going to do the job that you're being paid for. Whereas four yeah. fans seem to go like, Well, we had a good one in Hull, uh, we had a good yeah. result there, and it's a shame about what happened in Stockport. But mm. uh nevertheless, we're gonna try again, we're gonna come back stronger in Blackpool, and hopefully we'll have a good result there. It's yeah, I don't necessarily think that's what you should expect with a band but may I head that was probably part of the fun i suppose may well be also imagine getting a ticket to the fall wasn't a pricey affair either it was just more of a no way no. you could go see him and like certainly i think it was after this album they did a tour of northern England and then some cities in America you can't necessarily imagine them in the midwest but um <laughs> you know on the coasts yeah and bar me it has a delivery it could actually diverge on football chant but um out of england i dream of it's creamy and yeah it kind of just continues on in that vein for a lot of it <interconnecting sounds> right. yeah 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 and then towards the end there's a nice bit of piano in the background there is a lovely bit of piano, isn't there yeah, that's piano, that's a piani. It's one of them songs that I enjoy it, but I could totally see that if it were released as a single became huge, it would irritate the piss out of me after a while. Yes, I think also the idea of like an audience, an audience bellowing I'm Barmy yeah. him would I find I think I would. Yeah, that would get annoying. Yeah, lots of people with their arms around each other with plastic pint glasses and there's like carlings going all over your arm. Oh, or at least you hope it's carling. I, I it's, it's a bad scene. It's an I'm, ugly scene. I'm pissing myself in quiet fear right now. Fear or consternation? A bit of both. A bit of both. I, just, I, I, can't, just, I, can't. I can't. However, for all of its... Slightly grating quality, the the sunshiner, as it opens, da-dang, da-dang, da-dang. Yeah. Particularly after the fire and the fury of Bombast is is good. Oh yeah, no, it's, a, not- it's a it's a happy song. Can't deny it. No, it, it it's a palate cleanser, I think. Yeah, and it doesn't. There's there's. I was going to say there's not too much going on there, but we you know there's. there's the, the, the murky business of the anti-Semitism and uh, talk of Saxony and things like that and, and it's like talk of immigration I think really is it about the I taught... one I'm relieved that I never heard him talk about immigration because I'm pretty sure I know what he yeah. would say do you know what I was about to do Adam? I was about to start us down a deep dive of what the lyrics could possibly mean and you know what I've decided it's Friday night I'm not touching out with a barge pole I don't want to know what Marky Smith was trying to say about me. No. And as we said up front, everyone, this is not a deep dive. (laughs) No, it is absolutely not. It's an amiable chat. (laughs) Hey, everyone. It's it's Friday night as we record. We've got a couple of drinks. We're having some fun. And again, then there's another change of pace. As the album goes... And it's really... It's so sort of childish. It, is, it almost says Street. Yeah, yeah. And then it's just... Well, him, get, a lot of get, him shouting again. Get up! Make a buck! My, my race was bred on hash. What does that mean? I uh, don't know. Is he saying British people were raised on weed? Well, I mean, unless he's talking about what you need to make a band, because his rate, right, his his sort of generation will have been bred on both Hash and the music inspired by it. And he goes on to talk about... Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. He talks about Iggy Pop, and then there's a... a, a oh yeah, absolutely right, yeah. Then there's notes about possibly journalism, like when he says people presenting notebooks for you, there's either mm. autographs or people asking him questions. And then we're obsessed with what you need. What you need is us as pressure group out of reach. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're absolutely right. Actually, just look at lyrics now. even mentions uh, Jeff Travis, who founded Rough Trade Records. Yeah. And, you know, the call and response of the background is saying band throughout it. Yes. And he says the three rules of audience and the book Theft is Vision by the Brothers Copeland. There you go. Well, yeah, he's what you need is a song about how do you make a band? What you need, finance, luck. What you need, out of reach. That was my reading of it. No, no, I, I would heartily endorse that reading of it. <laughs> Again, he sat down and gone, I don't want to do a fucking love song. Um... I'll do a, a chorus cool Oh resp- Briggs, don't make me do a bloody love song. I oh, don't want. That. I don't. I've got no interest in that. I don't. Oh, I don't I, want to do that. Oh, I'll do I uh, oh, do a Mary. I uh, Mary. I'll do your song. A song about making <laughs> a band, Mary. On last Super Moon. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Parents, oh, oh, I want to live again. Get up, make a buck. <laughs> <laughs> But, you I mean, it's also possible to imagine that that is, you know, his his lady at the time, like, basically sho- shoving in the morning, going, get up. Also, Buck, which is American slang, and Bricksmith is American. Oh, I see. Yeah, uh, still is. Oh, um, p- purports to be. <laughs> and again, I've written here something hypnotic about it, but of course there is, because it's all influenced by... German friends. German Our German friends. Uh, well, our German slash Japanese friends. Yes. So er, everyone, and some Italians too, that's everyone, the axis of evil. Oh, superb. <laughs> our friends, the axis of evil. <laughs> uh, you know, he probably thought they had some points. I mean, I don't like them, but I mean, they'd written some real good music. Oh, Mary. I've been watching films by Lady Riefenstahls. <laughs> oh, George, I mean, Mark, why are you too fat? What you need is priority. <laughs> I mean, don't discover, Mary. Yes, you may disagree with the ideology, but for the actual beauty of... I mean, redact all of this. The <laughs> cinematography. Oh, Money, then. Bit, Bit of fun, everyone. Eva, we are talking about uh, your aesthetics, sir. <laughs> you know, Marquis Swift was a great lover of the aesthetics of the cinematography of Lenny Riefenstahl. Well, who here among us who is not? Who here among us is not? I mean, on an on an academic basis, everyone? God, we not. You know, I've, I've never watched it. I can't. Uh, because I will also say, I think the time to watch stuff like that is probably when you are studying. Not, work, not working and at university. Yes. If you are, for example, a working adult and it's Friday night and you go, darling, I've opened the Shiraz. <laughs> <laughs> pop on Triumph of the Let's Will, I am for the will, shall we? And do make notes. <laughs> L.A. Which... Is, is it just mine ears, or is he verging on saying hell A? I think there is an argument for that. And certainly, if you read the lyrics, he doesn't appear to have a huge amount of sympathy for did L.A. He go, did he go on a trip there and he didn't enjoy it? and uh, will we say this as LA. well. Given that he's from the north of England, L.A. probably was <laughs> not his cup of tea. It's not even drizzling. But, <laughs> Oh, it's just cloudy and stuffy. Um, Mary! He does say they've filled boulevards with white snow Scumble. Cocaine. You would imagine that it was cocaine, wouldn't you? I couldn't get a, a new key brown to save my life. But I've never even heard of speed. <laughs> Odian, think- sky, uncanny bushes are in disagreement with the heat. I think LA is one of the more forgettable songs on the... Uh, Record. I quite like it though, because it has a synth in it, Adam. Ah, yes, of course. Yes, yeah, it has a, yeah, a synth in it. Therefore, it gets Michael stamp of approval. <laughs> it may at the party. Moving on. <laughs> no further I, questions. I don't remember when I became a synth dude. I never, I never imagined myself being the synth I just, guy. I just don't think I, you imagine it happened, but it has happened. It, it has really, happened. It, it really. I'm aware of it. You crept up on you, but yeah. All the song really needs for you to like it now is a izz- noise in it. it. used to be like strings and orchestras. That, that was my thing when I was like, oh yeah, I'm a sucker for the string. Now was like, oh no, just put a zoom and a in it and yeah, <laughs> I'm your man. Apparently. <laughs> it's, I remember you going through the string phase as well. Like ah. as soon as somebody whacked some lush strings on it, you suddenly went, oh, oh. Oh, 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 for no juice. <laughs> Tapping directly to my heartstring. <laughs> yeah, but you became the synth guy. Over the course of 10 years or so, you've you've really, really got into synths. I know. I mean I make no apologies for it, everyone. It's no happened. one's asking you to. No one's no. asking you to. And I refuse to apologise, Adam. I'm just going to put it out front. I'm getting out front of everyone, yeah? Yes, rightly so. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I'm just, just making my position clear. Yeah, I, I quite like... LA, and it's got sounds in there that do... Rem- this is where I had... It reminds me of Alan vague Well, sorry, Suicide Meets for Cramps. It could... You- I could imagine it's being used on a commercial as well.
1: Uh, yeah, no, you're uh, right. It
0: could. If anything, it's probably the most commercial-sounding song they ever made. I, I really hope, barely any lyrics. I really hope that it does go on a commercial, to be honest, because um, I would imagine that a lot of the membership of the four could really do with the bunts. Yes, I wish him well. Yeah. I think they refer, they refer to it as doing, like, active duty. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like LA. I mean, there's not a lot to it, but it, again, I like the drive of it. I like the atmosphere of it. It does. It has the sound of a driving around LA. I
1: like the atmosphere Santa. to it,
0: I really, and it does have that. I think what I miss is the fact that he's not in it as much. Yeah, it because for the first two minutes, is practically an instrumental, apart from... The, ah, yeah. Ah, and also, it doesn't actually sound like a fall song. Do you like, think he to, did this one so that when they performed it live, he could have a pint? May well be, yeah. <laughs> it's just his own little palate cleanser. A pint but, of um, something you'd imagine thick and brown. Because like, when when I think of a fall, this is not the sound I think of them at all. No. This, like, if someone just played this to be cool... Um, you can't imagine the four ever having a yeah, bit, if, can you? If you played this to me and were just like, guess, guess who it is, and it would take me ten, and I'd finally gone, oh, fuck off, just tell me who it is, and they said the four, I would just said, fuck off, is it? <laughs> no, I think you'll find it isn't. Anyway, <laughs> God bless. God bless. <laughs>
1: fun, yeah,
0: bit, fun game that was, yeah. It is, it's a, it's a nice sound, and I, I think it's, it, it does sort of sound like an American road trip sort of mm. through a cityscape you can see that but the the big void at the heart of it is the, the absence of smith yeah he is the fall you like if you i mean i, I say that in the full knowledge that Mansion is an instrumental and i don't feel this way about that but mm-hmm. yeah i i feel it's it's lacking guy uh, lacking, uh, <laughs> lacking uh, Murray! <laughs> i like it but uh, yeah no, i i can see why it wouldn't, for those reasons, be a big favourite for you Um, so he wants to tell us something, Adam, about he has a new house have you seen his new house? Have you seen his house, (laughs) Mary? you've got, I really admire the fact as well that he he always lived like in Rochdale and like shit towns in the north, presumably because his money went further. But <laughs> you can imagine him living in some sort of anonymous, semi-detached or terraced house, mm. and you yeah, presumably not taking any care of the garden. Mm-hmm. Just full of cans.
1: So you heard many it. Cans.
0: Um, Ellis James on the radio told a story about him that apparently he just threw everything out every two or three years, or every that, yeah. every piece of um, sort of memorabilia or notebook or whatever, he just bin it, just so he could start again. I can't imagine that. I think if I was in a band, I'd be one of those people that archived everything we'd ever done. Like an Nick Cave. Yeah, yeah, I, I would. And do you know what? I think I'd probably have my records on the wall. I know it's possibly gauche, but if you have like, a, if you have like, I mean, I can't imagine the four, got a lot of gold LPs. If they had one, I'd, I'd put that I mean, yeah. on the wall. So I admire that level of just not giving a shit. It's like, and it is a yeah, real yeah. kind of like, nope, moving on to the next thing. I've made that thing. It's out there. People listen to it. What, what am I going to do with the bric-a-brac around it? Move on to the next thing. I can Although really admire that sort of mindset yeah, but also like the the heavy drinking thing as well mm. like he like there's a thing isn't there where you you look back at bits of your life and you're just like right I'm not thinking about that anymore yeah, yeah. you can imagine he was just more than happy to get up and move on that's what like all of his band members and his wives he never had to live with the consequences of his mistakes Mm. And I imagine part of that is, yep, chuck everything. Everything that I did with that incarnation of the band is now dead. This is now the fall. And also I think with a degree when you have an addiction, something like being an alcoholic, because your main thought is always to the future about when am I going to get that next rush from that the alcohol from the the drugs yeah so from whatever whatever happens before that becomes absolutely meaningless because it's like yeah i did that but now when when's my next thing when am i going to get that again meaningless but also uh, a horrible reminder of stuff you might not want to think about anymore yeah so you're living in a constant state of like immediacy and now and you're not even thinking about next week next month you're just thinking about okay by the end of the day yeah i want to be pissed it's it's 10 o'clock in the morning now i can maybe last about two o'clock before I want my first drink, well, there's there's a story about when they were recording this. So he would he sat down with a vodka, a special brew, and a line of speed at about eleven in the morning to uh, just get get the old juices flowing. Right, but you've got to imagine that's partly because he was feeling absolutely fucking diabolical. Oh yeah, he must have had just earth melting hangovers. Yeah. But if you're constantly on it, Jesus. Yeah, you're just constantly in a state of feeling like shit for half a day, then feeling great for the other half of the day. Well, I mean, we've both had a drink on a hangover before. Oh yeah. Sometimes that the first two can be Oh, it's challenging. <laughs> Quite tricky. Yeah, it's usually around the third one you start finding your balance again. Uh, the the and... third one where you're going, oh, hello. Oh, hello, something's kicking in here. It's all, it's all coming back to me. <laughs> oh, I see, yes. This is why I do it. The roar of the crowd, Natasha. Smell of the grease paint. <laughs> <laughs> the roar of the crowd. <laughs> Love that expression, particularly when you're talking about, oh, the roar of the crowd. I'm sat opposite one other man in an empty beer garden. <laughs> <laughs> I like the dis- this discordant guitar. It just sounds a bit off. Everything. I like the fact that he really makes the word "see" really high. See house. this <laughs> is a bit crazy. I mean. Well, I it does go on a bit. It's five and a half minutes. It's probably about a minute and a half longer than it needs to be. Yeah, it is. Because it doesn't change much. It's very much, that discordant riff kind of just keeps repeating and and he just keeps inviting us to see his new house. I also like the, I think, you know what we were just saying about addiction and so on? Mm. I think that that makes the last two lines. If our reading is accurate, you know it might not be. But the last two lines, when he says it will be great when it's decorated, my new house. You can sense, you, or you can suggest that he was always saying it'll be great when it's decorated because he was always moving to another house or another yeah. relationship or another band. It will be great. It'll be great when this happens. Oh, no, that's now dead. It's, it's Move never going to happen. Yeah, it's yeah. never going to happen. No, it was shit, that house, and I hated it from the start, and I always said it was shit, and now this is the new house. Mm. Have you seen my new house? Yeah, it's just a never-ending cycle. The constant just... state of immediacy, yeah. Yeah. And... Or we're over-thinking it, and it is just about a lovely house. I mean, giving what he write songs about it could literally just be about inviting us to come see his new house but I completely can see the other reading of it of just I like, don't, I mean I would say it's probably more likely that because I just don't get the sense that he was massively into introspection no because it's, it's all very quite surface level I mean he's done a song about just LA where most of it, ah! he's done a yeah, song about like, a guy from Cannes he's done and in song- interviews like his the thing that he was most sort of The the virtues that he most sort of identified with or lauded were things like stoicism, weren't they? Mm. Oh, you just got to get on with it. You know, know, get up, make a book. You know, join a band, job a work. He was always moaning about the fact that... Fred's house and Bill's house. They've got no work ethic at all. He was moaning about young people today. Give them a job, you know. They don't want to know. <laughs> I mean, he was young as well. He was just pissed and looked like he was 50 when he was 20. He was young here, but, I mean, he was talking like this for, like, 30 years. Yeah. Oh, they don't want to know. You're 25. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't be like that. Oh, don't do be like that. This, the, you don't you never know where the real Marquis e. Smith is in his records, do you? You're not going to be getting... No. It's not it's not like John Lennon levels of lacerating honesty. No, but the thing is, there there could be, but he's just hidden it so well, has he hidden it? Or is he just he's hidden it through his or is yeah, Marky e Smith? Like the idiot just, savant thing that he's actually writing about himself, but he doesn't even realise he is. Yeah, and he's just it, her incre- incredibly introspective songs because he doesn't know what else to write about. And, and if you were to, pissed. and if you were to ever ask him, well, is it about this? He go, "Oh, fuck off, is it? No, it's just I, I don't know how." Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know I I'm I really proud of that conservatory. It and was I to show lovely! It oh, lovely! Because I've never had a conservatory before. No, it was smashing. I thought I'll have a coffee in there in the morning as it is. It's full of cans, but you never know. You live in learn. <laughs> right, so it's full of cans. So I had to move again. Have you seen my new house? No cans in it. So uh, yes, talks to me right. six months. <laughs> the spare room is fine, though a little haunted by Mister Mister Reagan, who Mister Reagan who hung Mr. himself, Reagan, number, who 30. Hung himself number thirty. Is that referring to anything? Probably, almost certainly it is. I mean, Reagan. Can't have been just a random name in 1985, can it? Mm. But I don't know. Do you know? I don't. I, I don't have to follow I you. I simply say. don't. I'm sorry. So, oh, the, the, the mysteries of Marquis e. Smith. Was he just a? Was he a poet? Was he was a madman? He just a, a madman? Was he just a charlatan?
1: Was a shame he a, in a, way a priest
0: that... masquerading as a charlatan? <laughs> It's a shame that we're looking at the original version here, because I mean, there's Vixen that you mentioned, but then couldn't get ahead. I think is quite good, um, mm. but we'll never know. We, we shan't. Because... We can't <laughs> speak of it. Is we'll be leaping on to paintwork, which is presumably what he was applying to his new heart. New heart. the paintwork, Mary. It's a charming. Instrumental. It it almost sounds like something would be on Art Attack or, or ding, ding. yeah, showing off been. showing off all the kids' artwork. Do 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 do. it's a weird old woozy number, isn't it though? It is. This is a song when I said earlier about how his voice is so low key, it almost becomes part of the room. This is that one the, where. The gin and the and, ain't work. Cause, yeah, yeah, because his voice for the most part is so just low in the mix it's just you can't really hear what he says for a lot of the time on it and the the guitars in the mix are much higher so it's just like so what was he saying at times but there's still quite a lot of lyrics in here a lot of lyrics yeah there are and some of the lines again are baffling but also just so for want of a better word cool chest scars portrayed aztec life in his horrible formation really late (laughs) main sequence stars were no good for making carbon in this way disfigured in a lady tedious was over accountants and on business it's great (laughs) was that bit where i was talking about the formation of red stars is that him actually doing lyrics was that when it has the snippet of a, a science show I think there's a snippet Wait. of a science show and then but he goes on to say later mum said those continentals are little monkeys and yesterday we had liver and sausage over <laughs> Yeah so, I, I, I do like the frame of and sometimes say hey mark you're spoiling all the paintwork dude and some readings of the song are that he's doing a song about the band saying to him just leave the songs alone. Uh, you're, you're well, welcome. that would make sense. With sometimes they say your thumbprints are on the paintwork. Yeah, it's. I think it's. Yeah, Marky e. Smith commenting about. Yeah, yeah. Some. You know, sometimes. Yeah, I don't think he's necessarily owning up to it and saying, "Yeah, I do do that." It's him saying, "Oh, sometimes people tell me that you keep fucking up the songs because you keep playing around with them too much. Just leave them." But uh, who are they? Because uh, I'm Marky e. Smith, and uh, mm. they're not. So what are you going to do? Yeah, so at one point you, there's a breakdown where the song just stops and you hear uh, a recording in the background, which happened apparently when uh, Marky Swift took um, a recording, well, sorry, the actual, the master tape, was singing along to it in his hotel room and accidentally pressed record on the tape player, and it picked up just the noise that was in his room, which happened to be a science programme on the TV. Are we to assume that Mark was in drink? He could have been in drink... Oh come on, Clara! And such fucking drink with Fred's house, from Bill's house. <laughs> what I can hear in this is absolutely—it's um, a wonderful uh, life. Oh, and and Harvey <laughs> and Vertigo, uh, but no, I can really hear like David and and Gorillas in this. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I can. I'm pre- As memory serve, I'm pretty sure. Marky Smith turned up on a Gorillaz album at some point. He, he may have been on Plastic Beach. Uh, I think he did, yeah. Was he imploring Mark Damon Elburn to show him I think his he new did. house? <laughs> yeah, they certainly got um, the Happy Mondays guy, didn't they? For a, dare. For, a, for a more successful song. Hmm. I mean, in many ways, awesome. I think he's like the more successful Marky e. Smith. Damon Albarn. No, what's his face? Sean Ryder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, his lyrics are sort of fragments as well, aren't they? But also, he wasn't prolific. No, nowhere near as prolific. But also, uh, he was less prolific, but on catchier material. Mm. I also would have loved to see Marky Swift in I'm a Celebrity get me out of here. Um, I, I don't wish to swatch somebody in such profound withdrawal. <laughs> <laughs> oh fucking hell <laughs> Clarence I don't know if I don't want to live again I'm just covered in sweat and I haven't been for a shit in days <laughs> just sad just, just really another sad series I don't know whether or not even Ant and Deck can make that knockabout fun <laughs> yeah so Paintwork for me as well has a bit of a, a seaside vibe because you've got that Electric organ in there. It's so woozy. Yes, it is kind of a wurlitzer sound. Yeah, yeah. So I do just have like northern seaside resorts in my head as well when I listen to this, alongside pictures of boats. Such a soft spot for northern seaside towns. Mm -hmm. There is a sort of there is a sort of beauty in the sadness.
1: You know, sadness
0: is right. The faded grandeur of places like Morecambe. They're such bizarre places, as well. They're it's really, like, really odd. Because you, you can tell that once upon a time, this town had such money and now it oh has yeah. nothing. And, and the way, that, you know, certain places around the coast and the ocean are just outstanding places of natural beauty. I and mean, when you go to yeah, certain yeah. towns like that and you think, you saw the majesty of the ocean, you thought, fucking put an arcade there. Fucking put, yeah. a, put some dodgems here. That'd be great. I'll tell you what people will come for the natural beauty but they will need entertainment and they're going to need that, vaudeville they're going to need end pier and dodgems because let's be fair the naked native beauty of the scenery will look shite in the rain and this is the north of England let's not get <laughs> ahead of ourselves so everything needs a roof <laughs> Okay. I mean, I, my, my favourite song is not a shark. It's got the quantifier and it's got the quantifier all day long because I think it's just one of the most exciting five minutes committed to vinyl. I, I love it. And I love how odd it is and I like the fact that halfway through they'll go, hup, 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 hup. <laughs> And that song, I, I, you know when you listen to a record and some occasionally a song will click, Possibly because of the, the circumstances. I was running for a train and the hut, hut, hut bit happened to be as I ran up the stairs to the platform. <laughs> and I have loved that song ever since. And then I listened to it more and more, which I've got. I don't think there's a note wrong with it. I think it's brilliant. I could I could lose the rest. I mean, I, I really like most of the records, to be fair, but I think Gut the Quantifier is the, a standout moment of greatness. Right, I definitely need to go back and listen to it some more then. Oh, it's my favourite. I like it, Bar but it's not my fave. Which... It's that followed by Bombasta. I think, strangely, I, I find Paintwork a strange one, because you know we didn't talk about much of it, it stays in my head, Paintwork. It kind of just worms its way in there its oh, weird God. little, oh, I don't get that at all. With its <laughs> weird, weird little use, I think, but it's not my favourite. But it just stays in my head, the same way that um, Barmy kind of just, just through sheer Chutzpah just has needled its way in my head. Oh, no, again, no, no, not no. my favourite track. Gut of the Quantifier, Bombast, Spoiled Victorian Child. These are the winners. <laughs> Small Victorian Child. Uh... <laughs> I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head, though. I think I do. Just really like I am Damo Suzuki. Yeah, called that. <laughs> called that like uh, two weeks ago. When right, I'm fine. Like, uh, L.A. Then. Absolute liar. It's for you. It's I am Damo Suzuki. Suzuki. Okay. All right. Well, what, what what song would you could you excise from the album? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't really want to lose any of them because I think the. I probably say goodbye to Vixen from the extended one, but yeah. well, of course we're not talking about. No, we no, shan't talk about it. <laughs> we, shan't, we simply shan't. We, simply, we mustn't. We shan't. Probably, probably LA. But again, I like that too. I like LA. Do you know what? Even though I just said it, it gets in my head, and it's probably for this reason I get rid of it. Bar me, because as I said earlier, I think if I heard it too much, it would annoy the shit out of me. <laughs> okay. So you're, yeah, right. So you're getting rid of it just so it can't irritate you. Yeah. So I like it enough right now, but I know if I heard it too much, it would annoy the piss out of me. So I'm getting rid of it now while I still have a bit of uh, friendship with it. Right. Okay. Sacrificial lamb. Go with God. So, it, yeah. So we're keeping it to party? Oh, yes. I think so. Yeah. Yes. Fine. Oh, I mean you you've enjoyed it. Don't I have lie. enjoyed it. I had no, I have enjoyed it. And you have been sniffy about the fall. And possibly because you made the classic blunder that we all have of going right back to the beginning and listening to the, that mud and going, So you're saying why? What, what you've done, you've been sniffy about the fall because you've listened to them. I well, have I have bloody listened to the fall. I've listened to the fall. I know, but now I've <laughs> I've introduced you to the poptabulous mid eighties fall. Yeah, the Better Fall. Yes. The Better Fall. Yes. Not not Reformation before TLC or whatever that was. Post TLC. Yes. Which is fine. That was a alright album. Do I don't remember? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not as good as this, though, is it? It's not as good as this. This is definitely this is the most fun I've had with the Fall. Well, because it's got memorable songs on it. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. No, I'm absolutely happy to keep it on at the party. Oh, I'd really, I'm pleased that you enjoyed it, I am. I did. Like, like I said, though, that it was just a shame that I was listening to other things which were occupying my mind space at the time. So if, I, if I'm i not lying, this album hasn't completely occupied my head space for the last couple of weeks whilst we've been listening to it. I've kind of been, that's li- fair. I've been listening to it as well, but it's not been my flavour of choice for the last few weeks. I would say I've enjoyed listening to it fairly solidly. Mm. But um, there have been moments where I've gone uh, I could really do with some traffic lights or something so I could skip to gut of the quantifier. Right, so the fools, this nation's saving grace will say the party and a hearty recommend to all. So, shall we spin Mark that wheel? May Smith have found peace. May he have found peace in whatever with Whatever, quite so. Spin that goddamn wheel. Spin that goddamn wheel. Oh, it's me spinning it. Whoa! M- Mike. Oh, it's me. It's What's it going to be, Mike? Me, Let me guess. Is it going to be something I don't know? Dreary and synth-led. You haven't earned that right yet. Oh, actually, no. You're right. It is. <laughs> it is synth-heavy and dreary. Adam. As, as you may know, and some of our listeners, both of them may know, I have something of a soft spot for a oh. Mr. Scott Engel, better known as Rightly Scott Walker. So. <laughs> Rightly so. A friend to us <laughs> both. And I, yeah, I, have, I have decided on this day, Adam, that I've, I'm, we've been pussyfooting around some of our big favourites for a while now, and I feel <gasps> it's time for us to... Bring in something I know we both enjoy. Come on. Come so on. I'm going to go with... not. not I'm not going to go with a solo. I'm going to go with a Walker Brothers. I'm going to go it for isn't. Night Flights. Yes! Yes! <laughs> You're welcome. On the night flights. On the night flights.
1: Oh, one way to well, fall.
0: I, for one, would like to take this opportunity to say bloody well done for being brave enough to Mm. grapple with one of the big boys. Yeah. That's a mega choice. Yeah. To a lot of people, they'll be like, (laughs) "What? Oh, the the last album, that middling band ended up putting out at the end of the 70s. Yes, that middling band at the end of the 70s. Yeah, that middling band at the end of the 70s who released their Swan Song, which was just a work of titanic majesty and beauty. Well, uh, an EP of Titanic... Majesty Venice, and Venice, and songs know. out there as well. I quite like some of the other ones as well. Well, John and Jeff uh, both had a crack S- at the whips. Simon, William <laughs> S- 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 Walker, Willy, <laughs> Willy, Billy, Hunter, Billy and John, Hunter Walker. Uh, yeah, so Scott, Billy, and Hunter Walker <laughs> made an album called Night Flights. Um, Scott, Scott, Bebop, and Rocksteady. <laughs> <laughs> And Krang was there too <laughs> uh, So yeah there, there's, there's a lot to talk about this Album Because it is an album Quite literally of three parts Because each member of Walker Brothers Well the were, story of the album is as good as the album Yeah so A, 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 a trio who essentially had One last roll at the dice With a, a record label and thought Fuck it let's all just write songs We want to write and we'll play around you Each one so it's literally it's now made by a trio, but it's, but it's essentially three EPs. Correct me if I'm um, wrong. Doesn't it fall between Scott's three and four? Uh, it does not. It it falls between um, Scott four, which is the end of the sixties. But Scott got... four, Scott four bombed, didn't it? Because it did. People, which is odd, because it's one of the best ones, but um Scott Ford's one of the greatest albums ever made. And then yes, it's Titanic. And then Scott Walker had a very uh oh, artistically fallow 70s where he just became an MOR country singer, um covering soundtrack songs, making real shitty choices, and night flights, which I want to say at this point is 77, mm. maybe 78, is him is him after about 10 years finally saying fuck it. I'm just going to make some music I actually want to make. And then we get songs like Night Flights and The Electrician out of the deal. And then he would go on to make Climate of Shandling, Climate of Hunter afterwards. And to anyone who doesn't know that, we'll be explaining Climate of Shandling next time. (laughs) In some (laughs) depth. Well, there's not a lot of depth. I mean... It's also an he, album. We will be discussing it at some party in the future anyway. He looks like Gary Shandling on the cover. There you go, John. There you go. Man. Yeah, anyone, look, at, look at the cover of Climate Hunter by Scott Walker. He looks like Gary Shandling, everyone, doesn't he? <laughs> Cerebral oh, humour. Superb choice, Mike. I'm looking forward to Do you know what? I'm not Probably not since Uchi Lemper have I picked just a solidly, I fucking love this album choice. Yeah, and also it's... Uh... I well I think, say that no, purple rain, I do that I, I, I well everyone loves purple rain no, I so. think it could be the f- is it the first time we've picked an album that we both really like going in? Yeah, uh, we' all just there's no mystery everyone. We've picked an album that we both love and we'll probably yeah, like, yeah, really really like. <laughs> we're just here to gush over it for an hour. Well, I mean so i'm I'm assuming that what we're gonna say is that uh, criticizing the first three tracks is verboten but um it's it's open season on the rest of them is that Grace. Right? <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, Will and Grace. You can go full <laughs> barrels of those two. And are we going to pick a number of comedic duos throughout just to hilariously misname them? Oh, yeah, Scott and Halen Pace. Yeah, right. we can, yeah, 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 good, 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 good. Right, well, thank you very much for coming to this party, everyone, where we played the shit out of This nation Saving Grace by the Fall. And please join us next time when we will be talking about Night Flights by the Walker Brothers. And if you find this type of amiable chit chat in any way inoffensive, three or above, just, just pop it on there. Don't, if you don't, I mean, if you've made it this far, don't don't hurt us by popping one on. But it's beneficial. Just do your, do the decent thing. Pop a good one on there. Three or above, three or above. Three or above. That's all I ask you for, baby. We would really appreciate it because we're really- not greedy. Because as, as, as we are men of no consequence, we are literally men of no consequence. So no one knows where we are. So it's only on your good word that um, you know, people can find us through metrics and analytics and other such arcane, mysterious. Yeah, devices. and as we've said before, we may be men of no consequence, but we dearly like to gain consequence. Rough, roughly by 2024. Look, the ball shaving guys didn't work out. They didn't come through. They didn't come through. They didn't come through. But I, if we were to ever be able to just earn a little bit of extra money through advertising, that'd be cool. We'll, we'll bring you with us. Yeah. yeah. Ride that crater train. Yeah. Jack, we'll hook you up with some ball pruners. I don't know. Yeah, and all that good shit. Anyway. <laughs> If you have a song that you, or a song, I should say, an album you would like us to discuss. Not DJs, mate. <laughs> you got a song. If you've got dedication, if you want to say hello to anybody in your family. If you have an album you'd like us to <laughs> talk about at the party. Thank you. This is goddamn important to you as Night Flights by the Walker Brothers is to us. Or is it something you just want to, you think we may not enjoy listening to and feel, hey, it might be funny to make those two guys listen to that then by all means, suggest it. Listen to the fucker. Yeah, yeah, we will listen to it. So and you can do that by getting in touch with us on Facebook. You can just find us by at the uh, listening party of Adam and Mike, we're on Twitter at Party Listen You can email us at the listening party at gmail.com and we're also on Instagram at the listening party of Adam and Mike. And we are not to be mistaken for any of the other listening parties that you have many, on. many of it. So when we to- hit upon the notion and indeed the name, we did not know that this was a thing. No, so it's really crucial. you put the Adam and Mike in there to make sure it's us. It's this. It's the dude with the skull and the headphones. You know, you know the fella. It's the one you're listening to right now. You can see in your artwork. Just look for that fella. We call him Magnus. Yeah, that'll do. Nah, it's Magnus. Look for Magnus. <laughs> yeah. Magnus, a mascot. So, until next time, my beloveds. All the best. Uh, there a bit.